You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. Welcome to today's episode of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. Quickly, for those of you listening to us live on octalkradio.net and our podcasters, we really appreciate you listening. Craig Hetrick is our guest here. He's president of Renaissance Executive Forums of Greater Sacramento. As a former CEO of a manufacturing and wholesale business and president of Renaissance Executive Forums in the Greater Sacramento area, Craig knows what you're going through. He has over 30 years of experience with CEOs from both small and mid-sized businesses. His passion is sure to get you guided in the right direction. Craig's sense of purpose, philosophy, and skills are helping CEOs alike to get where they need to go. Craig joins us today to share his passion for guiding and helping others. Craig, welcome to the program. Thanks, Rick. Glad to be here. It's, I'm, we're glad to have you here. Uh, if you like what you're hearing on the radio show live on octalkradio.net, please be aware that you can listen to us anytime on iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker.com, several hundred former guest websites whose CEOs have appeared on our radio show. Since we first started in 2009, our shows reached close to 200,000 listeners. And simply type in these four words on your favorite podcasting software, Critical Mass Radio Show. And if you're not not on a podcasting software like iTunes or Stitcher, I strongly encourage you to consider that. There's so much great content out there being created by podcasters. It's really a great way to get knowledge and information. So, Craig, tell us a little bit about your background. Sure, Rick. Uh, I was born and raised actually on a farm in southwest Chicago suburbs in a little town called Oswego. And we uh, raised corn, soybeans, and hogs. So for the first 22 years, I was knee-deep in hog manure. So if wow. that's not a way to get you grounded, I don't know what will. Okay. So yeah. <laughs> then I, uh, as far as my professional career, 34 years in the food business, starting with companies like uh, Nestle and General Mills, which really the foundation of my business philosophy. Nestle was a great company regarding uh, people development and, and mentoring. We were taking uh, young kids out of college and, and teaching them how to be business people. So you had to be really good at developing personnel. You weren't going to make it. Right. And then General Mills taught me the value of strategy. And then how do you develop a cutting-edge and differentiated go-to-market strategy? I had a mentor, Gary Rodkin, who went on to be CEO of ConAgra for about 10 years. Hmm. And just a great mentoring experience. So between the two of those companies running sales and marketing, I wanted to then run sales and marketing. So I, I joined a mid-sized company, American Seafoods, was actually a Norwegian company and ran sales and marketing as VP there. Okay. Then I went up the ladder a little bit more as VP general manager of uh, Eskimo Pie, got in the ice cream business. I know Eskimo Pie. And then, That's a brand we, hey, our engineer knows it too. Yeah, the original ice cream sandwich for sure yes. back in the 30s. And then I actually went back to American Seafoods. They brought me back as president Okay. and uh, did that and did his three-year stint then in uh, management consulting and in food service business. And, and then I missed after three years of uh, helping uh, business owners that way. I wanted to get back into running the companies, and so then Eskimo Pie brought me back as president. Wow. So, <laughs> so you don't burn any bridges when you leave, it sounds no. like. Okay. <laughs> a very unique experience yeah. of being recruited back by right. a couple companies. And then what happened is Eskimo Pie was sold to Nestle. So I come back to oh Nestle, full circle, right. three companies and three times back. So this time around, I was uh, heading up the Nestle Dryers ice cream business. So I did that for five years out, and that's what brought me out to California okay. originally. How big of a business is that? Uh, Nestle Dryers is about 170 million of the two billion. 
million that uh, okay. Nestle Dryers was in total for that division. Uh-huh. Um, and then uh, after five years doing that, I was tapped as CEO of Java City, an uh, Irish company, actually an Irish-owned uh, business, and did that for four years. And what, what I kind of realized... I'm not familiar with that brand. What, did they, what, what do they do? Oh, Java City is a, a national coffee company. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, okay. so we we compete against Starbucks and Sorry, all kinds uh, of uh, large and small coffee companies uh, okay. uh, across the entire nation of fifty two state fifty two different markets. So, so, we so you've been the chief executive president for several different brands and companies. Then, right? What a great unique uh, experience to bring to what you're doing today. Yeah, I think uh, that what what really helps me is that I've been with large companies, and large companies tend to be very good at process. And, and what and training. companies in training what they're aspiring to be. So right. I've been there and seen that and witnessed it, and they're very, very good at strategy. What they aren't good at is, is moving quickly. Yes. And that's where the smaller companies have a, a real advantage, a potential right. advantage. Right. And, and I think they sacrifice competence for scale. Right. Uh, that they have decisions that are being made that are being made by people who really aren't in the – you're a $170 million part of a $2 billion. Uh, there may be people within the other – 1.8 million billion that don't know anything about ice cream. Right. Yeah. The frustrating thing about being a large company is that you can get outflanked by some of these smaller yes. companies. Yes. Your division could be 800 million to a billion. You could have these little 50 million dollar companies out executing you in a marketplace. Right. Yeah. Right. And in my world, 50 million is a pretty good sized company. And it is. for the for the audience that listens, we kind of program for companies up to 100 million. Sure. So 50 million is kind of the the midpoint of that. Right. So to, to be running a 170 million dollar company, that that's a, that's a large enterprise. Right. Right. But uh, yeah, really, uh, what really caused me to do what I'm doing today was because I was actually a CEO peer group member when I was the CEO of Java City, and I saw the struggle okay. that business owners were going through, and it kind of got to my passion, which was helping people and businesses grow their full potential, right. I thought, I really want to do this, and I really want to help business owners scale their business. And because I've had big company, medium-sized companies, small company experience, right. I felt I could actually do that, that quite well. Wow. I, 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 you're like a kindred spirit, <laughs> because I, too, was in a peer group, and that's how I came to this. Oh, right? If I wasn't in the group, I don't know, and I didn't even know these kind of groups existed until I went searching for them. Now, this is quite a number of years ago, but the, the concentration of presidents and CEOs that are in peer groups versus hump, it's very, you know, we're just scratching the surface, aren't we? There's a long way to go. There's a long way right. to go. But not everybody is a good candidate for being in the peer world, right? right. You've right. seen that, right? Yes. So talk to me a little bit about Renaissance Executive Forums in the greater Sacramento area. What are you, what community are you building there? Yeah, so uh, Renaissance Executive Forums of Greater Sacramento, uh, what, maybe we should probably educate people about what CEO peer groups are briefly. It's really about a group of CEOs that come together, leverage their expertise, their experience, and their resources to improve business performance, meeting on a monthly basis uh, in highly confidential environments, really addressing the real-world challenges and issues they have. And so that's, that's what that's all about. And um, I think what we're doing here in the Sacramento market is I first started out with a smaller group of entrepreneurs, service providers that are 500000 to $5 million, and typically those companies are relegated to kind of the minor leagues of CEO peer groups where they're in the kind of referral network groups, and they're not really given that full CEO peer group experience. And, okay. And the group that I've launched, uh, they, they very much appreciate all the uh, the team knowledge that they're getting and and the great assistance they're getting from each other and we're developing best practices in a number of areas too as well. So they're running businesses. They're running businesses, especially if just they're like, five million. That they're not doing that alone. 
Right? Exactly. They have people. They have all the issues. and So a vastly underserved market in Sacramento. So okay. we're, we're going after that. And I think the other thing that's different about Renaissance is we're more of a holistic uh, I believe CEO peer group process, and, okay. and that we we not just we don't just really focus on the business goals like some CEO peer groups. We also focus on the effect that the business has on the CEO and their family, and on personal develop professional development as well. So we okay. have what was called strategies for success. It's a retreat uh, where where we develop programs with authors and workshops that address both of those issues mm-hmm. with spouses included, and you come away with goals and objectives to improve both areas. So it's personal development, professional development, and, of course, tracking your, your business goals so on a when you basis. when you were in your group, and I'm thinking, as you're talking, I'm thinking to my experience, it wasn't with, I wasn't with a Renaissance group. I was with a different brand. Right. But we didn't have that weekend retreat. Did your... No, uh, we did not have it. Okay. We focused largely just on business. And the other thing that we're doing here, what I'm doing in Sacramento, is that the group that I was in had business owners that were $200 million to $50 million to $5 million. And they could the be same. national companies. Really? Right. Down to local companies. I just felt that after a while, that the issues weren't the same anymore. They're not. And you weren't getting what you really needed to. So I'm pulling together groups with like business models okay. and like geographies. So there is that commonality. That's like a multiplier then on the learning experience, I would think, right? Oh, absolutely. Because you, you have so much of it is directly applicable to your business. I, I, I agree. Diversity is great in peer groups, except on size of company. Right. That one doesn't doesn't scale well. Yeah, because you do get the diversity anyway. You think about it, they're from different businesses anyway, right. different industries. And the other benefit is the CEOs come from different backgrounds. So I was right. a sales and marketing guy. There could be somebody with a background as a CFO, engineering, IT, and they all look at the world through different lenses, and that right. brings a broader perspective to your issues and challenges. So uh, we're talking with Craig, Craig Hetrick. Sorry, he's the executive forums. Uh, he's the founder of the executive forums of Greater Sacramento uh, Renaissance Executive Forums. It's a long hand if you want all of that in the brand. It's a quite a mouthful, but it's a good brand. Um, when you were in the groups as a member, and you found people who were running similar sized business to you, even if they were in radically different areas, did you find much commonality of what underneath the business? you were dealing with yeah there's still is commonality because yeah. it boils down right. to people it's issues, business right right <laughs> people issues sales marketing and and you can certainly find commonality right sure. and and that's uh many times um, people say what can i learn from somebody who doesn't know my industry yeah oh you can learn plenty and again it's just because the the different thought process they have and the different backgrounds they come from actually in my group a great example is the best marketer was an estate planning attorney Really? So you just never know where the great ideas are going to come from. It just depends what, where their head's been. Right. Yeah, I would have thought that would have been you with all your uh, B2C experience there in sales and marketing. I give you're them just credit. Being modest. Really you're just being modest. So you have you have your group that you're delivering value. Where, where are you taking the brand in your market? What else are you going to be doing up there? Well, we're going to continue to uh, grow groups like that. We're putting on another group that's a mix of service providers and, and companies of that size. How big are your groups? Like uh, how, how many people eight are in to a 12. Room? 8 to 12. 8 to 12. Okay. Yes. And then why, go- why 8 to 12? Because I know some others have 16. Or- well, I, here's what I found. In, in my CEO peer group experience, we had 15 or 16. Yeah, and I right. think what it does is it gives license for you not to show up. Okay. And yeah, it's okay. there'll still be 12, and all 12 of a guys there. There's eight yeah. or nine guys not showing up or gals not showing up, and it's right. a real problem. I just It's just a really good mix, I think, of the right number of people to have. a Not too many where you can't get 
personal everybody personally involved in discussion. It is a but context not too for few it. that right that you can. Uh, Get enough discussion to to make it worthwhile. I think a universal truth is the more you participate and the more vulnerable you are in a peer group setting, the more value you get out of it, right? If you bring a roundtable topic or you're the focused yes. executive or you bring a topic that you want some advice on, my experience is that's when I came away thinking, well, that was one of the best meetings I've been at, <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. So exactly. It, you can't be a bystander. Well, I think the and having sixteen people in the room, you might be able to be a bystander for a part of the meeting, right? You bet. Well, the groups can become very close, and you can really bare your soul as a CEO, which I think is quite healthy. And you really get to the and nut uncommon. of the issue and what what the issue really is. Instead of being a beauty contest, you, you don't want to look bad. You're in a networking group or right. industry association group. You're really not bearing your soul. Right. But here, you can. Right. I'm sure you like me. I work for a large. I work for Delphi, which is sure. a huge auto parts supplier. There were things that I could do in my peer group and say and ask questions about that I couldn't ask to my board of directors right, right? because I didn't want them to know that I didn't have the answer to that question. Well, the other thing about board of directors, too, is that they are so ingrained in your company, it's hard for them to get a few deviations away from their current thinking. Yes. Very difficult. And so same with your management team as well. It's hard for them to really create different thinking because they're just too close to the Plus, action. I, I found when I brought a challenge to the board of directors, they all had their own opinions. Many times they were like a peer group. They were diverse. But the problem was they all expected me to take their advice and do something with it, right? right. We're in a peer group. You can get a wide range of advice, and you're not obligated to do anything from what you said. Sure. Exactly. There's no lingering, well, didn't last quarter we told you to, you know, whatever, go to sales channel. It's like, well, that didn't work for my business. Nobody's judging you on right, that. Right, right. Yeah. So it's a very uh, license to talk about anything. Then. Mm-hmm. All right, Craig, let's take a break here on Critical Mass Radio Show. When we're going to back, we're going to continue to talk about his organization, Renaissance Executive Forums of Greater Sacramento. <laughs> If you are an Orange County business executive, this message is for you. Do you ever feel isolated with no place to turn for advice or feedback? Who holds you accountable to your commitments in your company? Where do you find the right resources to help you and your company grow? If you have these questions, then Critical Mass for Business might be the answer for you. Critical Mass for Business is committed to helping you make better decisions. These are groups of peers running businesses just like you, providing a great sounding board to test ideas and concepts, review plan and goals, and present issues and opportunities for discussion. The result is improved strategy, accountability, people, and execution skills. If you are interested in learning more, go to www.criticalmassforbusiness.com and learn more about our executive peer group. Do you want a free analysis of your inbound marketing? Do you want it in 30 seconds or less? Then check out Marketing Grader, the free marketing tool from HubSpot. It's simple. Just go to marketinggrader.com, enter the URL that you want to analyze, and Marketing Grader will instantly give you a detailed report grading your lead generation, mobile marketing, social media, competitive benchmarking, and more. It's simple, it's powerful, and it's free. MarketingGrader.com. And welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. 
Craig Hedrick, who is the founder, president, CEO, right? All those things? That's right. Yeah, baby, you can call yourself whatever you want. You own your own business. That's one of the beautiful things about being an entrepreneur of Renaissance Executive Forums of Greater Sacramento. And we're going to get back to talking to him in just one second. But first, I just want to let you know a great way to stay informed about the kind of guests that we have here on the radio show is to sign up for our weekly newsletter. Simply go to criticalmassforbusiness.com. That's my website. And at the bottom of every page, at the bottom of every page is a join our mailing list box. Simply type your email address and hit subscribe and you will automatically, magically start receiving our weekly newsletter with information about our upcoming guests and great insights from me and Um, We don't do anything else with your email. We don't sell it to anybody else. Nobody else is going to get it from you. It is simply and solely to be in a weekly newsletter that talks about the great guests that we have like Craig. You know, you you mentioned a job, the Java City, and I wasn't as familiar with that brand. But I wonder if you could share share with our audience a little bit about the experience. The experience that you had leading that company. Right. And Java City was a really good company, a $40 million national coffee company and food service. And we'd morphed from being a coffee cafe company to a wholesale company and just food service. But we were stuck, just like a number of companies were stuck. And we really didn't have a differentiated strategy. Uh, we were too small to be big, too big to be small. At $40 million, we had Starbucks at $17 billion with Anvil over our head pounding away. Mm-hmm. We had six to $800 million highly efficient coffee companies coming after us. Then we had what I call these ankle-biter companies, these small, really good companies, two, $3 million companies doing roasting great coffee with a good brand name in 52 markets also coming after us as well. So it was kind of like, well, what do we do? How do we win and where do we, we focus and how do we, how do we uh, then grow our business? and not get stuck. And, and so really it was all about understanding your marketplace at a deep level. What drives it? How do you win? And then how can you differentiate yourself? And so at the end of the day, we had three business units. It couldn't be more different than, than, uh, than how you win. It was convenience stores. The, four, the $40 yeah. million was convenience stores was further divided into three categories. Convenience stores, chain restaurants, and college universities and hospitals. And a convenience store, the, the way you win there is with an operationally efficient model. It's all about low cost. We were hand-roasting coffee, so we weren't really going to win there. The next third was a chain restaurants, and if you think about restaurants, what they have to do to stay relevant is have complete you know menu changes uh, very often, very right. frequently. So you have to have a robust uh, product development arm in, in your company if you're a supplier. We had one product developer, and we didn't have a huge lab, and there was big companies that really had that wired in food service. And then on the on the college and hospital side, it was all about brands that made an emotional connection at the point of sale, and that was Starbucks. <sighs> and so we had Java City with really great coffee cafes <laughs> out there, a nice business, but the name didn't mean anything to the consumer. Right. And we could have spent millions of dollars trying to do that and, and not get anywhere. So we took a look out. The next step is to kind of take a look out what the future holds in our categories. And we saw that the millennial generation, of course, was 85 million strong. And what do they like? They like social responsibility. They like sustainability. And we felt there was a, a place and a time to own that for food service, to own that positioning. It okay. be the, okay. the socially responsible brand because Starbucks was really known – only more for being a coffee coffee cafe brand. I sit in a coffee yeah, cafe. Experience. It's indulgent experience. I, I can't own a Lexus, but for $4, I can with Starbucks. Mm-hmm. And they were socially responsible. They weren't really known for it. So we, we launched a brand called EcoGrounds. And then to connect it with, with the patrons, we then uh, started investing in coffee-growing regions in Guatemala, Honduras, Costa Rica. 
and in doctors and, and water filtration and school teachers. We start telling that story at the point of sale, right? For every cup of coffee you buy today, you're helping to fund doctors in this city in Guatemala, wow. et cetera. And so what that started to do is start to resonate with the patrons, which are millennials in colleges and hospitals. Right. They're doing we started good work. To, to grow the brand there. So instead of focusing on three businesses equally, we narrowed our focus to college universities and hospitals with the millennial generation on a brand called EcoGrounds. Uh, and then we changed the game. The way that we executed on it is that we basically said instead of you know Starbucks having to win all these units in, in a particular location, three, four, five, six different buying locations in a hospital, let's say, why can't we coexist with them? You know, put Starbucks in a coffee cafe, take the Java City brand out of there, because mm-hmm. Starbucks is really the cafe brand, but in the, the uh, school, the cafeteria rather, and in the catering operation, put in EcoGrounds. Okay. So it's you know, it's a win-win-win for everybody. The, 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 the institution looks more socially responsible. The patrons feel better about making a, a more socially responsible choice. Uh-huh. And they get Starbucks where they really flourish in the cafe. So it's about being a category captain is what we ended okay. up being uh, uh, in terms of where we're going to market. That was a real different uh, point of difference in the way that we went to market versus our competition. So that's what really got us stuck out of the mud and started to move the, the business forward. So you got to write the final chapter of that. What, <laughs> what were the results of this? Well, we actually came from ac- being a negative in that hospital and college uh, area to actually growing in, in uh-huh. sing- mid-single digits against Starbucks, which oh. actually is a, okay. is a pretty good feat being the powerful brand they are. So so that experience is transferable. Uh, as you were explaining it, I mean, larger organizations, smaller organizations, many times they're, they're half of one thing, half of another, and none of anything, and you really yeah. focused and I find it, and that's what I, I find is interesting with the smaller businesses. Most of them, or a lot of them, don't have a clear mission. You know, what is their why? Yes. And they don't have a differentiated strategy. Yes. And they're playing in too many different areas. And they don't really own yes. a space. And it could be a subsegment of a segment they're participating in. And I, so that's the first place I'd normally start with companies is to work on that first. Yeah, I think companies that are working with you are getting a pretty high-powered advisor <laughs> beyond the, just the, and in addition to the peer group experience, right? Well, I'm just lucky to have had that experience uh, with, with other companies where, where I was trained that way and then learned that. So yeah, but you also practiced it and, and sure. implemented sure. it, which is, you know, training and learning is one thing. Doing mm-hmm. it is a right. whole other Execution game. Execution is the name of the game. It's the name right of the there. game, yeah. right. And for small and mid-sized companies, it's all about executing. Uh, my, my experience in, here in Southern California is if there's one area of a business that seems to be unfortunately underinvested in in that 50 million dollar company and smaller it's marketing right if they even have a marketing many of them the smaller ones don't even have a marketing person and they have a sales team and the president or whatever thinks that she or he is the marketing arm but there's no one really doing thoughtful strategic niche analysis and finding out where your SWAT is and really driving the strategy of the business. Is that your experience or well, is that my bias? Definitely the experience. And, and it, when you start to forge that point of difference, the marketing department takes over and solidifies it. Mm-hmm. It makes it, you build barriers around their, <coughs> their competition so they can't you know come after you. 
Right. That's what marketing's for. And that's why I bring in speakers on a regular uh, occasion to talk about marketing because I figure if you're not going to do it yourself, then at least let me bring in educated people who can share some best practices with you and at least maybe get you to hire a consultant for a gig to at least get something that you can action. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Because it's it's a part of the – you can't have a strategic plan without some type of a marketing analysis, right? What is the strategic plan? You really have to get to know the customer to deep level too. And that's something I find a lot of companies don't do is they don't have enough knowledge about what their customer is doing, where they're heading – so they understand how to adapt their strategy from a horse's mouth, so to speak. Right. I have a gentleman, a friend of mine, who speaks to my groups. His name's Andy Midland. Real world, real world marketing is his, and he's Procter and Gamble tra- trained. Mm-hmm. You know, sure. Which is a great, like General Mills is a great place to go and get training in marketing at a at a sophisticated level, right? Right. And one of the things that he says, and I'm paraphrasing Andy, sorry if I get it wrong, is one of the best competitive differentiators a company can have is a clear understanding of what the prospect cares about. Right. And if you can understand that better than your competition, then you can address those needs better. And that's marketing. Exactly. You, you bet. You've got to invest in data collection and then you know, interpreting that data, what does it mean and how can you use it to uh-huh. your advantage. But again, I, I think a lot of small companies would be better suited to do in narrow uh, industries. Yes. I, I call it kind of build a skyscraper or not a city. Okay. You know, narrow, deep, and not try to go too wide and right. really own that space. Own a niche. Yeah. Right. Find a niche that's, yes, and I couldn't agree more. So tell me a little bit. I know that you're doing Renaissance Executive Forums of Greater Sacramento, but I also understand you've started, because that's not enough to do, California (laughs) Growth Advisors. What is that? Yeah, so California Growth Advisors is a strategic advisory firm. So if you don't want to be in a CEO peer group, then I will be a strategic advisor for the CEO and a management team. Uh, And then basically their coach as well. And it's all about helping them scale their business with strategic practices and so forth right because i mean um in the spirit of full disclosure i know craig right i I knew you before we did this uh radio show interview i'm excited to have you come down from sacramento to be a part of the program today i didn't realize how much variety of top executive experience you've had and and i think to leave a company and come back again that's that's a whole different experience. Oh, definitely. And and it brings its own set of challenges, I would think, right? Yes, right. right. Yeah, because he's coming back. I mean, and some people are cheering that you're coming back, and maybe others are not cheering as, right. as loudly. Right. Okay. So if someone wants to learn more about what you're doing in Sacramento, how do they find you online? Where would you direct them? Well, I would say um, renaissanceexecutiveforums.com, and you can pull up the Craig Hetrick tab there, and you can see more about me there. You can email me at chetrick at executiveforums.com. Can you, two best places. Can you spell your last name? Yeah, H-E-T-T-R-I-C-H. All right. Well, thank you for coming, making a commitment to come down and be a part of the program. I love having you a part of the Renaissance Executive Forums community. Great things in Sacramento and really a deep and powerful background and bio. I just... I think it's amazing what you're going to be, what you're bringing to your community of business leads up there. Right. I think the, the, your team is your community is really benef- benefiting from your experience. I appreciate that. Thank All right. You, well, that's going to do it again for this show here on Critical Mass. Let me say that our engineer was Paul Roberts. Joan Park, Crystal Nunley, and Haley Stern are our producers. I'm your host, Rick Franzi. If you'd like to learn more about our radio show or the CEO peer groups I lead, visit our website, criticalmass4forbusiness.com. And until our next show, I hope all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction. You have been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show Business Talk Show, focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies. With your host, Richard Franzi.